Hello, my name is Adam Snyder and this is Good Bad Movies. I'm here, of course, with Adrian Lopez. Adrian, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm so excited for this episode. I sure am too. So as of the recording, it is about to be Friday the 13th. So of course, we had to do one of the films of that franchise. Arguably, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it anyway. The fan favorite of this franchise. I think I'm right. I think think lots of people like it. I think it's really good. It's fantastic. It's it's Jason Lee. Friday the 13th, part 6 to be exact. And this movie is perfect because it's got all the iconography of the franchise in one movie. That's uh, also what I said about the 2009 one and why I liked it. But this is that classic uh, franchise. This is OG Jason. This is not a reboot. This is just a continuation of the same story. And it's a great entry point into the franchise because of that. Absolutely. It's uh, well into the franchise to where you know him, you love him, but they also really throw you some curveballs in this one. So it's the sixth entry, but it's got a lot of unique aspects to it. They really change up the game here as far as Jason goes. I don't know if you want to talk more about this, but you were saying this is one of your favorites because it has the classic zombie Jason that you love so much. Oh yeah, I love zombie Jason. Yeah, so this movie begins with what is probably one of my favorite cold opens ever. So we are now following Tommy Jarvis after the events of Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. And in this movie, he has just been released from a mental institution and he is on a rampage and he wants to go visit Jason's corpse to make sure that uh, that he's in fact dead because uh, he wants to make sure the job is done. He, is, he has been driven mad by Jason's brutal murdering and he wants to officially seal the casket. So he goes, opens the casket, <laughs> begins to go insane and just pulls a giant piece of of metal from a fence like a metal fence post and just begins spearing Jason's disgusting worm ridden corpse with this giant metal spike and by the way there is a uh, lightning storm going on and of course lightning hits the pole that is in Jason's chest and inadvertently he brought to life the very thing that he was trying to destroy once and for all so Tommy Dunn goofed and we have our movie that is a that's the cold open and it's fantastic. And and my favorite part about this is we get eyes on Zombie Jason. He's disgusting, covered in, in maggots. And they do this really fantastically self-aware spoof of the James Bond opening. <laughs> where, <laughs> where Jason walks out of his grave, slashes his machete, looks into the camera, and then the camera zooms into his eye, a la James Bond. It's just incredible. Yeah, I completely forgot about that opening. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's it was fantastic though. I forgot. How could you, yeah. <sighs> How could you forget? I want that tattooed on my back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic. And for me, I don't get me wrong. I think that the earlier entries like New Beginning and basically everything after part three were not really taking themselves too seriously, but none of them did what this movie dared to do. There's a lot of goofs and gaffes in this movie. It is a, it's really a far cry from especially the first two films in this franchise. And that's why I love it. I mean, I think that's the big trend here, right? Like we always find the movies in these franchises that just reject all of (laughs) the conventions of previous films in their franchises. It's why we love movies like Leprechaun Back in the Hood. It's why we love stuff like New Nightmare, which I don't actually think 
Have we talked about that on the podcast? No, we've talked about Dream Warriors. It's why we love New Nightmare and, to a certain extent, Dream Warriors. And it's why I adore this movie. Yeah, the tongue-in-cheek nature of it really just makes it that much better. All these franchises that quit taking themselves seriously and get real tongue-in-cheek like that, those movies are always so just like, like they feel free. Like they really do whatever they want because they feel like they can. And I feel like that's where most franchises really take off for me. Uh, Another sort of trope we see in these franchises is after a while of it being about some slasher, serial killer, eventually they'll bring in like a adversary. There'll be a person that's always fighting that slasher. So of course in Halloween it's Laurie Strode. In Nightmare on Elm Street it's Nancy. And there never was really one of those for the Friday the 13th movies, but with this last movie and this movie we now have Tommy Jarvis to sort of be the hero that fights Jason. But what I think is really funny is that in the other two franchises, you know, Laurie and Nancy are sort of like their nemesis, their villain. They're out to get them. And here it really feels like jason doesn't even know who tommy jarvis is he doesn't care tommy jarvis is just another guy he goes on a killing spree doesn't care about tommy tommy's the only one in this relationship that (laughs) cares about killing the other one (laughs) and i I think it's funny no it is funny he's so hell-bent on destroying jason and meanwhile jason's just doing his thing in this movie Something that I think is really interesting about this movie is I'm pretty, again, I'm fairly certain a lot of people love this movie. I think uh, given the the success of the uh, the NECA Friday the 13th figures, this one in particular, like I've seen the, the zombie Jason figure basically at every major retail store. I know that this is considered a very famous iteration of Jason, but I find it incredibly interesting that this is like the fifth lowest grossing Friday the 13th movie of all time, which makes me a little sad you know i i wasn't appreciated back in the day i think this movie is one of those just like jason x which is fun fact the the lowest grossing one of all time i think this one was ahead of its time i'm not gonna lie i think this movie was way ahead of its time way ahead of its own franchise you know you say that but i can kind of understand why it didn't make money because simply it's just if we're gonna talk about like real estate this is like the worst possible placement in the franchise it's the sixth movie by this this point a lot of people have lost steam especially considering a lot of the other movies are lackluster and weren't tongue-in-cheek and, and just sort of became the same old same old uh so at this point in the franchise i think people might have been burnt out they see another friday the 13th movie they think oh boy you know who cares at this point but lo and behold it was sort of a departure from the humdrum slashing of the normal the rest of the franchise it, it's fun it is a blast this is another one that we got we got to watch together and we got to show it to some friends and there's a lot of just really fun moments in this movie a lot of the performances to be expected are just absolutely terrible <laughs> in this movie and yet i felt myself really wanting to see some of the characters on screen. For example, Tommy is not well, and as a result, he's he's not very popular in town. In particular, he's not very popular with the, the sheriff of this town, Sheriff Mike. And he has a daughter named Megan. 
that Tommy is interested in and vice versa. And so the whole, no disrespect to Tom Matthews or David Kagan, the, the actors that play Tommy and the sheriff respectively, I guess a little disrespect. They're not very good. <laughs> they're, they're not very good in this movie. You know, it's no wonder I see them in literally nothing else ever again. I don't know who these two guys are, but they are so bad that they're fantastic to watch on screen, especially when they're on screen together and they're beefing. It is just at an 11, some of the the most egregious reactions to one another I've ever seen on screen. It's fantastic. There's nothing flat about this movie, right? It's never not enough. It's way too much and that's why I like it so much. I agree. I think um, even like the kills in this movie, which of course we're going to get into, but they are all sort of they're all goofy. They're all over the top and it does seem like they know it, you know? Yeah. And and I think that's what saves this movie is the fact that they know everybody's overacting in it. They know the kills are ridiculous and they're having fun with it. And that's what makes this such an enjoyable watch. Uh, a lot of this movie, like we're saying it's about Tommy Jarvis trying to kill Jason, but really that's kind of a small portion of the movie. Most of the movie is just plotless Jason running around finding people and killing them. We're introduced to characters doing something and then Jason shows up and kills them. And then the next scene is a whole bunch of new characters and then Jason shows up and kills them. And that's, I think, most of the movie and it's fantastic because yeah. most of these movies, you don't care about the plot. You're here to see Jason slash and that's what this is and <laughs> that's why it's perfect. I, I completely agree. I do think, you know, to, to use your word there, I do think this is a perfect Friday the 13th entry you have movies in this franchise that i still enjoy for what they are um and they're they're iconic in their own way for example jason takes manhattan the very idea of jason Voorhees in new york city is phenomenal there are some crazy moments in that movie some amazing stills in that movie watching jason walk into times square and see it all it's incredibly gratifying as a fan of the franchise however the movies do fall a bit flat you know i feel that way about uh, jason goes to hell i feel that way about the one i just mentioned jason takes manhattan and in a lot of ways i feel that way about movies that predate jason lives this movie just it finds a rhythm and i don't know it uses its hips man i mean it, it it's really really good it's actually one of the, I don't know if you knew this, but as far as horror movies go, it's obviously a much older film than Scream, and it breaks the fourth wall in horror way before Scream ever did it. I mean, again, I think this movie was way ahead of its time as far as its self-referential humor, we could say. Yeah, I think so too. There's a bunch of examples of it too, like in the beginning with the James Bond bit, and then <laughs> later there's a couple who get lost in the woods, and then suddenly Jason standing in the middle of the road and the woman driving the car says to her boyfriend I guess she says I've seen enough horror movies to know that a man standing in the road in the woods is bad news and she puts it in reverse and tries to leave and yeah stuff like that it shows how tongue-in-cheek it is and shows like you know we're, we're having fun here and of course they get slashed anyway because you also want to see that so you know it's the best of all worlds yeah absolutely there's a fantastic scene in this movie you were actually referencing 
referencing earlier how they will often just introduce fodder in this movie more <laughs> way more than the other friday the 13th movies like jason will literally just enter a place and there will be people existing and he will kill them in this movie because they just want people to die and and we do too we watch these movies because it's funny <laughs> because it's enjoyable to see what kooky kills they can come up with but anyway he stumbles upon a corporate retreat <laughs> that is a it's a paintball game and it's just a bunch of these suits like out in the woods wearing their tactical gear playing paintball and one of the kills it's not incredibly gruesome it's actually pretty tame but jason just throws a guy into a tree face first and when his face kind of schluffs off of the tree you see just a perfectly etched smiley face. <laughs> in the side of the tree and it's stuff like this that makes this film just a welcome departure as i've been saying they could only do the same thing so many times i think the first two movies were incredible entries in this franchise just very good horror movies of course the first one jason isn't even our killer it's his mother and then the second one we meet jason and we understand his motivations for wanting to kill people from crystal lake but after that it's just it's too much we're we're getting the same thing over and over and over again. And uh, ultimately, I think by the sixth entry, this one, they understood we had to go a different direction. As a fan of the franchise, I welcome it. And again, my favorite Friday the 13th movie by far. Yeah, I, well, I <laughs> I think it's really good. That is my favorite scene, though. I think that paintball scene. Just the idea of Jason slashing up a company paintball game is hilarious. And then I think after he kills that guy, with the tree the other guy standing next to him shoots him with the paintball gun and jason like looks down at the paint and looks back up at him and it's this great comedic timing yeah uh, that's a great bit and he just starts running and stumbling <laughs> over himself and he dies of course of course yeah this is also i mean something that they introduce in this film too that is different from the rest of the franchise i'm not quite sure if they play with it later i'd have to go back and watch but jason can teleport in this movie did you notice that upon watching he teleports like he is just absolutely teleporting all over the place. <laughs> this is supernatural, Jason. And in my head canon, I like to believe it's because, you know, he's a zombie. He no longer is bound to this flesh and blood world that we're bound to. I dig it. I do too. I like, I feel like even that is kind of almost like they do it so much sort of poking fun at it. Cause like we've talked about it before in the 2009 Friday the 13th, and they do this in a bunch of other Friday the 13th. It is like he's chasing them through the woods, but then always they think they escaped and then there he is and and it's if you think about it there's no logical way he could have gotten there like he has to have teleported so in this movie it feels like they they threw out all all pretext and and we're like all right whatever he teleports <laughs> yeah and and you know in many ways it's that sort of nonsensical nature of the original 10 movies that makes me really like that 2009 jared padalecki friday the 13th because they show that their Jason, their version of Jason, is very much a hunter. He's a tracker. He rigs traps, and he knows his way around the woods, and he lives in a, in a system of tunnels beneath the woods. So they actually do, a, I think, a great job of trying to explain Jason's ability to just always catch up to people. But yeah, I think this one is just more fun and more, way more self-aware. Definitely. I liked you um, describing the first two movies as the sort of 
evolution of the franchise but also the evolution of jason himself like at first he's just a voice in his mother's head then he's this like ghoul child at the end then in the second movie he's more of that like murderous hillbilly trope he's not a zombie he's clearly like a deformed hillbilly person who lives in the woods uh and then after that there's like a question of is he even alive and by the fifth movie he's zombie jason and here is i think the finalized epitomized all right he is a zombie he has literally risen from the grave shocked back to life like frankenstein and i like that i feel like too yeah and and i feel like this is why it's such a good uh movie to make toys about because it is the epitome of of zombie jason it's the most iconic jason i think in this movie yeah i i 100 agree his mask has almost grown into his skin you know at the end of the movie he has a chain around his neck and (laughs) he just looks so cool submerged in the water when tommy finally gets the best of him uh it's it's definitely my favorite look for jason and now fans of the franchise know each movie for how jason looked in it (laughs) you know uh like i said before neca has a fantastic run of toys just to showcase the evolution of Jason throughout the franchise. You can go and you can check out just like how gnarly they make him look in each one. So there's a lot of great Jason designs out there, but this one is close to my heart, probably because I like zombies. I, I think zombies are kind of cool. And also just something about the the tattered like pseudo janitor outfit he's got on. <laughs> you know, it's it's like caked in mud and dirt and his nasty ghoul face. I just dig it. I dig it a lot. I've probably said that a thousand times. <laughs> But can you say okay. it enough about Jason? No, I can't say it enough about this movie or this franchise. I, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Do you remember the first thing we ever did that inspired us doing this podcast? Yeah, we ranked the Friday the 13th movies for a social media class I had. And we had a blast doing it in, in a... That evolved into this. Exactly. So you could tell I really enjoy Friday, or I guess we really enjoy Friday the 13th. You know what I think we should do is we should probably detail the the kills a little bit and then get into our finale. Sure. I mean, I guess we already talked about the paintball one, so... uh... Yeah, we did. We did. So we talked about the paintball one. Okay, yeah. So shortly after the paintball game where he kills five people and there's a fun little breakdown here online uh he kills three of them via decapitation one via dismemberment and of course crush the fifth guy's face into the tree and it's actually here where jason picks up a machete one of the paintballers had a machete on hand and was hacking through the woods that's a pretty legit game of paintball where you have to hack through the woods (laughs) yeah and, and they opened that scene with like very clear showing off that he had a machete Chekhov's soon to be used machete yeah absolutely I imagine in the theaters that must have been fantastic but anyway so now we find ourselves at Camp Forest Green no longer Camp Crystal Lake but the same grounds and and this is something that the franchise plays with a lot but there are kids here at the camp so you start to wonder okay are they gonna kill kids in this movie surely not but no you have your classic two camp counselors that want to get shiggy diggy and They make their way off the campgrounds, and who, of course, gets to them? It is Jason. And uh, he kills them, and eventually the sheriff and his police department find the bodies and accuse Tommy Jarvis in the murders of 
these two counselors. And, and their belief is that, you know, he is, of course, criminally insane and on a rampage. They kind of accuse him of, like, having, like, the voice of Jason in his head. It's a little weird. Not, like, possession, but, like, driven mad by Jason. I like that, that that's the theory they put forth because it's... Like, what would they know about Jason? They would know about the original killing, about Jason's mother who heard his voice in her head and killed a bunch of people. And now suddenly, Tommy Jarvis is ranting about Jason. A bunch of people are dead. So what would what would the sheriff be to conclude but that the same thing has happened, but this time with Tommy? Of course, what would you conclude in that moment? So Tommy gets into contact with Megan, the sheriff's daughter. And uh, all while this is going on, and he, he hooks up with Megan and they start to go to the Crystal Lake in order to finish off Jason once and for all. Jason goes and continues to murder camp counselors, but he does not ever harm any children. That's important to note. In fact, does Jason ever harm any kids in the entire franchise? Yeah, I don't believe he does, which kind of makes sense. Because if you look at his origin story, you know, the idea is he was a child who died because the counselors weren't looking after him when he went to camp. So it would make sense that he sort of relates to the other children at the camp in his warped zombie simpleton mind. I like that. Heavy, heavy theories going on here. So uh, finally, just as they are about to make it to Camp Crystal Lake, Sheriff Garris arrests Tommy, pulls over Tommy and his own daughter, arrests Tommy, and ultimately, I mean, I won't go into detail this is the scene i was mostly talking about earlier when uh you're just kind of watching them hate each other on screen and it's so over the top the dialogue is so terrible the father-daughter relationship is laughable at best but you're just rolling with it because you're already here might as well just enjoy the popcorn and the soda pop and do your thing but eventually tommy and megan they escape from the deputy's office and unfortunately jason makes his way there kills sheriff garris and two other so now we have our big finale. What did you think about the finish here? Adam? I love it. It's calls back to the original. Like, what's the first thing we see Jason do? We see him rise out of the lake and uh grab that the first surviving counselor and drag her in. And here we see Jason get defeated by sending him right back into the lake and sinking him to the bottom. And I kind of like the parallel. I do too. I like the lore that they establish here. It's like very important that Tommy and Megan lure Jason back into Camp Crystal Lake. They make an entire point of it. And it's a pretty memorable finale, honestly. Jason is moments away from killing Megan and Tommy basically lures him to the boardwalk, lures him to the lake. Now it should be noted that Jason was killed by Tommy in the previous movie who who was played by Corey Feldman which is, is maybe the, the most important point in this entire podcast. Absolutely. Is that, is that we're supposed <laughs> to believe Corey Feldman grew up into this guy. But Jason finally at the very end of this movie connects that this is Tommy Jarvis. The Tommy Jarvis that killed him and put him in a grave. Uh, so Tommy gets onto a boat. He goes into the middle of the lake and Jason suddenly attacks him. He climbs up a la Jaws and tries to get into the boat to attack Tommy and Tommy is able to put a chain (laughs) around Jason's neck that is tied to a boulder very Looney Tunes-esque and as he tries to push the boulder into the water he can't really get Jason off of him and it's Megan that turns on the boat's motor and uses it to basically crush Jason's neck it breaks his neck slices his head almost off and 
then the stone goes down into the water. He's he's dragged down by the stone, you could say. And he he's left there, floating from a chain in a watery grave. It's very poetic. And I love this ending too, because it is Jason sunk to the bottom of the lake, returned from whence he came. And it feels like they didn't kill Jason. It feels like they stopped Jason because he didn't get messed up. He He's just tied to the bottom of the lake, basically. Well, and, he had his neck broken. I mean, he did, but he's zombie Jason. You know, like this right. wouldn't kill him. <laughs> Drowning isn't going to kill him. It didn't before and it's not going to again. And it feels like they've just bound him to the lake. It feels like he's there temporarily. That final shot of him just floating at the bottom of the lake, chained to that boulder. It feels like he's not dead. It feels like he's waiting. He's biding his time in like he knows he's going to be back. That's what I like to imagine. I'm probably reading into it, but I, I like to. No, I mean, that. you're right. He is still alive, I believe, at the end of the movie. I mean, I think we're, we're supposed to believe that because there's another entry after this. <laughs> now, I think it's important to note that the movie that came out after this one is Friday the 13th, The New Blood. And that's a pretty critically panned one. They introduce a telekinetic character, mostly because of the popularity of Carrie. They were going for a Jason versus Carrie type thing. I forget that she resurrects Jason. Like, she's obsessed with Jason and she wants him to come back and then she he does. That's like the bit of the movie. But New Blood is, I think a lot of the reason people don't like it is, yeah, it's stupid, telekinetic versus Jason, but also the fact that it's serious again. It takes itself a lot more seriously and it's a much more ridiculous premise. And uh, that doesn't work half as well as this does. And, you know, to their credit, they tried to do something different, but who, who wanted to see Carrie versus Jason? Yeah, I'll watch Carrie and then I'll watch this movie. I don't need to watch <laughs> the bargain bin version that is both of those movies. Yeah. In summation, this is a fantastic movie. If you like just the lore of this franchise, right, maybe you've never seen the movie, but you recognize that Jason is is an iconic villain and has his place on the Mount Rushmore of horror movies. I think uh, this is probably your best bet. This is a great introduction to the franchise. This one and the 09 movie, I'd say. Yeah, I think those are two great examples of what this franchise has to offer. I'm glad we got to talk about this franchise again. You know, I love it every time. Slashers are one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah, me too. All right, well, thank you for joining me, Adrian. Thanks for having me, buddy. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye.